Good morning, New Life. Welcome back to another Sunday. Uh, I want you to see this. And don't laugh too much because you're probably red too. It was a glorious day yesterday and we spent most of the day outside, probably like most of you. And we enjoyed uh, just being able to work in the yard and do all those types of things. Today is a new day and we are here gathered together wanting to let you know that uh, there's some issues with the bandwidth with the internet happening in our location here this morning. So if it goes glitchy, uh, we can't really do much about that. Uh, We're at the mercy of the bandwidth for this morning. So we will just hope that things work well for the next 30 minutes or so. We are going to do another poll today. So I want to invite you to get your phones. And like we did a couple of weeks ago uh, with Poll Everywhere, uh, I'm going to get you to... Um, send in uh, some answers to a question, and we're going to create a word cloud together. And the question is simply this, how are you feeling about your life situation right now? I'm going to give you some time to think about that. In a few minutes, we'll come back, and then you can input your answers, and we'll build a word cloud together and collectively see how we're doing. And we're just going to invite you to be honest about how you're doing, and I'll explain more uh, in a few minutes. For right now, I want to hand it over to Chris Stadditor. She's going to bring a welcome and also a time for our kids. And she's got her friend Isabel with her again today. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to our service this morning. I'm Chris Static, and I'm the Director of Children's Ministries, and I just really want to welcome you and thank you. Thank you for inviting us into your space, and thank you for letting us be part of your morning experience. And you'll notice that we have a chat section here and we would love to hear from you. If you haven't signed in, if you've never had the opportunity to just say hey and uh, just to welcome and, and for to connect with us this morning, please sign in and check in there. It's kind of like our morning coffee time. So we'd love to hear from you. And also, if you have any needs, if you need prayer, if you need food or you're struggling in any way, We would love to help you. We'd love to be there for you. You can send us an email to office at newlifecollingwood.com or you could also leave a message on our phone that we'll pick up and uh, make a connection with you. Everything we're doing is virtual and that means our giving. So you'll notice that on our website that you can, there's a button there where you can make your donations uh, to New Life or you can also give um, by mail. That information is there too. So now we just want you to take this opportunity to just relax and sit back and enjoy this time together. Well, good morning. How are you? Good. How are you today? Oh, I'm pretty good. Can you say hi to everybody out there? Hi, everybody. It's nice to see everybody today, right? Yeah, I love Sundays. Well, I'm pretty excited. Do you know why? Why? Well, we're going to have a contest for kids. I love contests. I know. It's going to be really fun. So you know what we're going to do is we're going to take a scripture verse and we're going to memorize it. And then there's going to be prizes after. I'm actually going to send an email out to all the parents so that they can help the kids with the scripture verse. But won't that be fun? Yeah, I love prizes. Um, Is that a secret what the prizes are? It's a big prize. Oh. Yes. That's fun. I'm good at Scripture verse memorization. You are? You're yeah. pretty good at it? Yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty smart that way. Do you know what? I have all my memory verses here, and I remember 
You memorized one verse that I have right here. Yeah, I remember. John 3.16. Do you think you could just say it to us now? Um, yeah, I think so. Uh, it goes, it goes something like this. John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And whoever believes in him will not perish, but have an enormous wife. Oh, uh, well, that's pretty good, Isabel, but I'm not so sure about the enormous wife. I actually think it's supposed to be eternal life. Oh, that was your fault. Oh, you know what? You did a pretty good job, but I think we should say it again. What do you think? Yeah, okay. I, I think I got it now. Okay. Do you, okay. Maybe you should put some words up for me. Okay, okay. Oh, there it is. For God, John 3.16. I like to start with that. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Yeah, that makes more sense. Yeah, that makes more sense than enormous wife. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That, that's way better. Good yeah. job. Good thanks, job. Thanks. And you know what? We have a memory verse that looks like this with pictures with it for the 23rd Psalm. And this is what we're going to send out to all oh, the kids today. That is a good, that's a good song. I know. Do you think you can memorize the 23rd Psalm? Uh, yeah, it's a long one, but I think I can do it. Okay, well, do you know what? Let's say goodbye to all of our friends. We're going to pass them over to Paul because he's going to do some teaching today. Hey, happy birthday, Paul. Happy birthday, Paul. Thanks, Chris. Thank you, Isabel, for helping us see the value of learning verses that work for us in life. <clears throat> Well, I want to ask you the question, how are you feeling right now? How are you doing, honestly? And want to give you the opportunity to um, share in a word or two how you're feeling about your life situation right now. And we're going to put up the poll here for you. And I'm going to talk a little bit about what you see. There's a couple words up there, tired, inadequate. Um, I had a friend share. I just had them test this out, and they shared the word tired. And then I texted in uh, this morning the word inadequate. And I want to tell you a little bit about that. Uh, as staff, we've been meeting and talking and giving lots of grace to uh, each other for how we're doing. And what we realize is that after two months of being uh, in life this way, a lot of people are really beginning to feel it, beginning to feel the the monotony of it, uh, they're tired of the isolation, they're tired of uh, screens, and a lot of you are here watching today, and probably you'd really rather be uh, in person or doing something else, and we're grateful that you've joined with us this morning. So I think sometimes uh, what we want to do is, is just carry on and, and hope for the best and try to be positive about it. And we actually were going to do a good news story this week. And, and what we found was um, there were a few stories we wanted to pursue, but, but people are just like, ah, I, I don't want to be in the limelight like that. And that is so cool, the humility that we find in people. And then we got talking and thinking, why don't we take a break and actually talk a little bit about how we're doing. I put the word inadequate there. You'll see another word just came up, stressed. Uh, along the way here, you can just text the number 37607. 
that's the number you're texting, and then you type in NLC 936 in the body of your text, hit send, it'll give you a reply, and then you can type a one or two word answer, and we're going to create this word cloud. I use the word inadequate because I feel inadequate in this time. Everything that we were doing before is kind of out the window, and so I don't really feel like I've got what it takes to to see through the text, uh, the tech issues, um, being able to care for people when we can't actually see them, uh, trying to keep people motivated. Uh, I'm tired of week after week of looking at a, at a lens on the camera, and then when it's all done, we just stop, and then there's no interaction with anybody, and I'm left just wondering uh, how it's all going. And so I'm, I'm sharing this with you, not because I, I want to elicit your pity. Uh, I have a great core group of friends that I can share freely with. I have a spiritual director that I meet with regularly, and we process through these types of things. So that's not an invitation for, for you to need to, uh, to feel like you've got to reach out, um, but that's me wanting to be honest and open and transparent with you and give you the permission to do the very same thing. There are days that are great when I'm loving it, and there are days like Thursday this past week when I was exhausted. And then there are other days when I'm confused or I'm frustrated. But I think for the most, during this time right now, I think the word inadequate for me best describes what's going on. And there are a lot of people that are feeling content, and I am so glad about that. And yet the, the words that are bigger are the words that are getting used more often. So quite a few of you are tired and frustrated, exhausted. Some of you have chosen to use the word inadequate, uh, unessential, hopeful. Yes, we are all hopeful. And this is really uh, interesting to see how this is coming together here as the words continue to come through. And that word content is standing out uh, a lot and blessed. So I am grateful that a lot of you are feeling that way. And I'm also thankful that a lot of you are feeling um, safe enough to share some of these other emotions that aren't so pretty and aren't so attractive. I'm just reading these as they go along. Of course, the risk in this is words will show up that uh, maybe we don't want to see, but but that's all part of doing this live and, and that's part of being this community with all the different people who are joining in with us. So for as much as people are content, um, there's a lot exhausted, there's a lot that are tired, there are a lot that are frustrated, some are feeling blessed and some are feeling fortunate. There is a mixed bag going on in here. And, uh, and we just felt like we wanted to give you the opportunity to express yourself today. This is so cool. Thank you for your honesty. Thank you for, for sharing like this. I want to take the opportunity to, to pray for us and to be able to um, just bring this word cloud to the Lord because it represents, it represents where we're at right now collectively as a community. So pray with me if you will. Father God, uh, I thank you that um, we've had the opportunity to just participate in this exercise. Uh, 
and just seeing all the different words up here. Some people are feeling isolated and powerless, unessential. Some are rested, some are blessed. A lot of people are content. There's a lot of people who are frustrated and exhausted, who are fed up, who are deprived. Some people have used this time to get caught up. Some of us are panicking, God, are unmotivated. We all know that there's so many things we could be doing and we lack the motivation to even begin trying any of them. And God, as these words continue to come up on the screen, your community here at New Life, I think, represents a lot of people who are feeling blessed and content, and yet we realize all those other emotions and experiences all around it. And how blessed and content are centered right now, Jesus, we want to be centered on you. We want to experience the contentment that comes when we cast all of our cares and anxieties on you, when we bring our requests before you. As Paul wrote in Philippians, not to be anxious about anything, but in everything, with thanksgiving, present your request to the Lord. And the peace of God can transcend uh, hearts and minds in bringing us into his presence. So we want to cling to that. And we want to recognize that there are many people um, who are struggling during this time. God, I pray that, uh, that as you see all of these words, uh, you would bring responses to everyone that is shared today in a way that they can feel, in a way that they can experience, in a way that they can understand. And I pray that even this exercise of doing this here this morning would allow people to see that they are not alone. Thank you for the community that we belong to, for the family that we are, that we are united in you, Jesus, and we can be together uh, during this time. We are hopeful that uh, what lies ahead is full of uh, good things. We are hopeful that uh, answers will be given. We are hopeful that jobs will be restored. We are hopeful that income will continue to come in for people. We are hopeful that relationships will be reconciled. We are hopeful that you will establish your kingdom, that you will set things right. And all of that is part of this good news package of what Jesus has done for us. So today we, we hold on to that. However we are feeling, Jesus, we want to hold on to you and the hope that you bring not only for uh, when you return, but the hope that you bring for the ability to see things differently in this world right now, today. We give ourselves to you and we wait expectantly for you, Messiah, Lord. And we pray today in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, all together, worthy of glory, honor, and praise, one God in three persons. Amen. Amen. Well, that was so cool to see all of those words up there. I want to take a few minutes this morning and walk us through uh, 
more of the good news uh, story of Jesus. In our series, uh, Good News for Tough Times, and we are talking about um, how Jesus is good news for people today. And if you've been reading uh, Bruxy's book, Reunion, The Good News of Jesus for Seekers, uh, Saints, and Sinners, uh, I hope that you're enjoying it. Bruxy uses an expression in there that the good news, uh, the story of Jesus is like the game Othello, uh, a minute to learn, a lifetime to master. Uh, I like the idea of talking about the good news of God, what he's done for us, as an ocean. And you can stay on the surface and enjoy it on the surface as much as you want. And if you choose to go below the surface, you can go as deep as you like and continue to explore and discover new things about the good news of Jesus for you. And that lasts all of our life. So last week we looked at um, the gospel in 30 words. Jesus is God with us, come to show us God's love. This week we're going to look at another piece of that. Part of the fruit of the good news uh, is that he saves us from sin. So we want to talk about this idea that Jesus came to save us from sin. And I want to introduce you to a few verses here in Romans chapter 3. In Romans chapter 3, really from verse 21 to 26, this is probably the most uh, dominant, popular uh, passage of Scripture that people will go to uh, if they've been studying this to understand what Jesus has done for us in relation to sin. So I want to read this for you and then talk a little bit this morning about that. Beginning at verse 22, we read this. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. And that's a very popular verse for a lot of people that when they understand it. Yet God, with undeserved kindness, declares that we are righteous. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty for our sins. For God presented Jesus as a sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. This sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he held back and did not punish those who sinned in times past. For he was looking ahead and including them in what he would do in this present time. God did this to demonstrate his righteousness. For he himself is fair and just, and he declares sinners to be right in his sight when they believe in Jesus. And so here's this passage saying that Jesus um, paid the penalty for our sins. He became a sacrifice for our sins so that we could be right with God. I want to talk a little bit about this whole idea about sin because it's the one thing no one wants to talk about. Nobody wants to talk about sin, and I understand why. If I could use an illustration right now, uh, it's the illustration of a virus, because I think it's very appropriate for the situation that we all find ourselves in. Right now, uh, we are trying to stop a virus from infecting everybody. And the fewer people that get infected, the better it is for our society. And we're looking for a vaccination or an antidote to stop the virus. And in many respects, sin is like a virus. 
in that what this passage is telling us in verse 23 is that everyone has been infected with this virus, the spiritual virus called sin. But nobody wants to talk about it for, for a number of different reasons. But I think one of the dominant reasons is because for a long time, I think the church has hounded people on, on this topic. You are sinful, you are sinful, you are sinful. And I think part of the good news story has become very much, you're sinful and you're a bad person because you broke God's law. And that is a very true understanding of what sin is. It is breaking God's covenant. It is breaking God's commands. It's disobedience to God's command. But what you find in Scripture is that, like an ocean, there's a surface-level understanding of what sin is, but there's so much more to it. And what happens is we bring a very narrow definition of what sin is, and we continue to tell people that this is what the reality is for them, and it doesn't always apply. So what I'm hoping to do today is to help us broaden our understanding of what sin is, because we don't want to talk about it. And if we begin to understand broad, more broadly what sin is, then we begin to understand how beautiful the good news is in that Jesus saves us from all these nuances of what sin is. So in this passage here in Romans 3, that Jesus frees us from the penalty for our sins, God presented Jesus as a sacrifice for sin. That's this awareness that there is this judicial aspect to sin. And it the word that's translated sin is, is a Greek word that it doesn't really matter except, except it matters to explain it. It's a word hamartia. doesn't anything to you likely. But what that word means is uh, when it's used in regular language in the ancient world, it was an archery term. And when an archer uh, took aim at the target and let his arrow go, which was far away, he had another helper closer to the target and he couldn't see whether or not he had hit the target. So if he missed the target, the helper who was there would call out hamartia because it means that he missed the mark. And so when verse 23, Paul writes, the Apostle Paul writes that we have fallen short of God's glory um, because we're sinful, that means that we have missed the mark. You see, hamartia is a compound word. It's two words put together. The word ha, which means not. And the word meros, when you put them together, you get hamartia or, or different variations of that. Ha and meros. Ha means not. Meros means together with. So when you begin to study the word a little bit deeper, you begin, there's not, you begin to understand there's not only this sense of missing the mark as if, hey, you screwed up, you tried, you didn't do it. That word literally means not together with. The arrow is not together with the target. And sin is very much this idea that we are not together with. We were meant to be together with, but we are not together with. We are not together with God. We are not together with each other. We are not together even within ourselves. We are not together with our world. 
And when you begin to look deeper into this understanding that Jesus saves us from sin and you ask the question, what is sin? You begin to appreciate more what he has done for us. Jesus defines so much about believing in him and following him in our ability to love God and our ability to love others. And sin is, when we realize the sin in our life, we realize the separation that exists between us and God. We realize the separation that exists between us and one another or with our world. And when we're honest with ourselves, we realize this is true for all of us. And so there is this judicial sense to sin, that there's a, there's a command, there are God's laws that we've broken. But what we also have to realize is that more and more, you and I live in a culture where people don't necessarily have a strong sense that there's a creator and that he has a moral standard of which we fall short. And so if we only bring a definition of sin that has to deal with some type of a legal system where we're guilty of, a, of an offense and we should be punished for that, people kind of go like, well, that might be true for you because you believe in a God. I'm good with that. And if we begin to understand other metaphors that are used for sin, I think it becomes very helpful to understand what Jesus has done. So, for example, in... Matthew chapter 9, Jesus talked about sick people needing a doctor, not healthy people. And then he said, I as son of man have come to call not the righteous, but sinners. And so Jesus gives us this awareness of sin as an illness or a sickness that he has come to cure. In another place, Jesus says the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. And as you read through different teachings of Jesus, you will discover this sense in Luke 15, the the son that went away from his father. And when he came back, his father said, our son was lost, but now he's found. He was dead, but now he's alive. And so sin is a sense of being lost. And Jesus has come to find lost people and bring them home to safety. As you read through the book of Romans and you get into Romans chapter 5 and chapter 6 and chapter 7, The Apostle Paul, writing about sin, actually treats sin like it's a slave master. He actually personifies sin and treats it as if it's its its own power, a, a being of power. And he's saying, I'm a slave to sin. I can't even, the things I don't want to do, I do. And the things that I try to do, I don't do. I'm a slave to sin, this power that is at work within me. I have myself and I have sin at work in me. And so Paul personifies sin. And part of the good news of what Jesus does to save us from sin is that he overcomes that power. He destroys that power. He kills the power of sin within us. And he frees us. He delivers us. There's the sense of sin as solidarity. In Romans 5, the Apostle Paul writes that Adam sinned, and sin entered Adam and Eve. Adam is representative of Adam and Eve. It's just a word that means the human. So Adam and Eve can be used together. Adam can be representative of both, representative of all of us. We are in solidarity with Adam. The sin that entered uh, creation through him and through Eve has affected all of us. We are in solidarity with him. 
Sin is sometimes thought about and described about as systemic. Read Isaiah 58 and Isaiah 59. And you'll see the systemic nature of sin, that it infects not just our individual hearts, it infects systems, it infects societies and cultures. It infects all of creation, if you read in Romans chapter 8. There are all these nuances to what sin is. And yet in Romans 3, there's that sense of the judicial nature of sin, that Jesus has come to pay the penalty And it might help if you can read this and see a Hebraic system of justice, which was about covenant faithfulness, not just about some arbitrary code. See, sometimes we use the language that God can have nothing to do with sin. He must be just. He can't. He has to punish sin. And when we begin to use language like that, sometimes what we're doing is we're creating a system where it looks like God is subservient to some type of code outside of himself. And because we break that code, he can't do anything. He must punish us. In a Hebraic system, these are intertwined. The judge is about restoring people in relationship. There are consequences to sin. There are prices that are paid for sin. So if you go later to Romans 6, the wages of sin is death. Sin has a cost and is always to our detriment. But Jesus pays that cost. And in a Hebraic understanding of justice, the goal is not just for the system to be appeased, but for the relationship to be restored. And so Jesus is a sacrifice for us. Sin is the thing no one wants to talk about because I think we have a very narrow understanding of what sin is. And it's so much more pervasive, and there's so many metaphors to help us understand even our brokenness. The Apostle Paul in Romans 7 says, I am so wretched. Who is going to save me from myself? I have my own standards of what I think are right and wrong, and I can't even keep those. There's this sense of being broken. Jesus saves us from sin in the sense that he restores our brokenness. So Bruxy writes in his book on page 101, When we say that we are sinners, we are acknowledging both that there is something wrong in this world and that it starts with us. The problem isn't out there in the air somewhere, making things go wrong all around us. The problem is inside us, and not just some of us, but all of us. And where sin is the one thing no one wants to talk about, when we look to Jesus, what we find out is that Jesus does what no one else could do. Earlier I said that we're in solidarity with Adam. If you read Romans 5, uh, in this passage in Romans 3, Jesus pays the price for our sins. Jesus does what nobody else could do. We're all in solidarity with Adam in the sense that sin has affected all of us. And if you want to blame Adam and Eve for that, if you put yourself in their shoes, you'd, you'd end up doing the very same thing. And yet Jesus comes as a second Adam. In fact, in Romans 5.14, it says that Adam is a symbol of Jesus. Adam and Eve are symbols of Jesus, who was fully human, the way we were meant to be human. Where sin takes us away from what we were meant to be, Jesus restores us in what we were meant to be. 
And so where we have solidarity with Adam in that we are all sinful, we're all marred, we're all broken, we're all sick, we're all lost, we are all infected with the virus. In Romans 5, one sin affected everyone. That's a virus for us. We have solidarity with Adam in our sinfulness. Jesus comes and he stayed completely turned towards God, toward himself, toward others, and toward creation. And in in perfect love and in being that way, the Bible declares him to be sinless. And so Paul is saying Jesus is a sacrifice on our behalf on the cross. He died for us, but he also died with us. And in so doing, we have solidarity with Jesus now and an opportunity not to be kept under sin, but to live new life in Jesus. So elsewhere, um, Peter, one of the apostles in his letter, 1 Peter chapter 3, writes that Jesus took our sin in his body and bore it on the cross. By his wounds we are healed. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 5 that Jesus, who had no sin, became sin for us. He takes all of our brokenness, all of our uh, infection, all of our lostness, all of our sickness. He takes it onto himself, and then he removes it from us. In fact, the Bible says in Psalm 103 that he removes our sin from us as far as the east is from the west, and he remembers our sins no more. And so what Jesus does is he as Paul uses in Romans 3 here, that we're declared right with God, Jesus actually, through taking all of our sin on him and then removing it, declares us to be innocent when it comes back to that judicial system. So now we're innocent, but not only are we uh, declared innocent, we're made innocent because we receive his new life within us. So he takes from us and he gives back to us. We were guilty, and now not only are we declared innocent, we are made innocent because Jesus took all our sin, all of our future sin, all of our past sin, all the sin that we might do today. He takes it into himself, and he destroys it. He kills it. He overcomes it. He defeats it. And then the opportunity is to receive his life within us, and then we're in solidarity with him. He does what no one else could do. He provides for us what no one could imagine, and that is the ability to be right with God, the ability to be declared innocent, the ability to not only be declared but to be innocent, the the ability to have no condemnation. Last week, we talked about fear that you might have of God, and yet Paul writes in Romans 8 later in in this book, and I encourage you to read through Romans, there's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. In John 5, Jesus says, actually, those who believe in me are free from condemnation. John 5, 24. There's no condemnation. You've passed from death to life. And I want you to hear that. In Jesus, when you're thinking about uh, what's ahead, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, who have received what Christ has done for them on the cross. Jesus does what nobody could ever imagine. And he provides for us what everyone wants. No one wants to talk about sin. 
because I think we've, we've actually done a poor job of trying to help people understand what sin is. And hopefully today I've expanded that a little bit. Maybe I've done a poor job, and I'm happy to, to have some feedback on that. But he, Jesus provides for us what everyone wants, and that's this. We want to know that it works. We want to know that following Jesus actually works. And I think that is part of the problem when the world looks at the church. People put their hands on their hips, and they're like, I don't see any difference. And I think a lot of Christian people sometimes wonder, what is the difference? We want to know that it works, that faith in Jesus and following him actually works, that it actually changes something in us, that it makes us better, more like we want to be. And that is what Jesus provides for us. That is what Paul is talking about here in Romans chapter 3. When Paul says that God declares sinners to be right in his sight when they believe in Jesus, he's using the plural. Jesus saves you from your sin, but Jesus also saves humanity from sin. And when we begin to move away from the individual nature of sin, what we begin to realize is that when Jesus gives his new life to us and we're in solidarity with him in this new way of living, It is the community that allows us the benefits of learning how to live this new life in more and complete ways. And part of the challenge that we have in the church is that most of us in our Western culture, we we live our lives trying to overcome and live this new life. It's the thing, the power of sin, though it's been dealt with by Jesus, there's still a sense that that it wants to have us and we have to resist it. We're not passive in this whole thing. It's not that God does everything and we just sit around. We participate in this new way of living, which means we have to say no to the old way of living. And as you read through the New Testament, many of the letters talk about this idea of putting on Christ and putting off the old way of living. Read through the book of Ephesians uh, and Colossians, and they would be helpful for you in that. But it's the community that we are formed into that gives us so much more power to receive the new life of Christ and stay in it. And I want to encourage you, stop trying to live your life of faith alone. Your life of faith is not an individual nature. You are not an island. You were meant to be with, to be with God in relationship, to be with God and with others in relationship. And when Jesus saves us from sin, he restores us with God, but he restores us with our ability to be turned towards one another, to be turned towards our creation. So we stop living in these systemic ways that are destroying creation. That's why we're all so excited when we see the news and we see that India has so much less air pollution, that Venice, the waters of Venice are actually clear and you can see down to the bottom and you can see the fish because it's a sign of the way things should be the way things can be. And the church is meant to live out that new life in Christ. And when we do it together, we have so much more power to be able to live and embrace this new way of living. We are stronger together in overcoming the power of sin in our lives rather than just you trying to do it by yourself. 
And the scary thing is, is we have to be willing to admit that we're sinful. None of what Jesus has done here has any value unless what the Apostle John says in 1 John uh, chapter 1, verse 7, that unless we, uh, verse John 1 to 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The church needs to be a confessing community. We need to stop pretending that everything's fine. And be willing to be gracious towards one another when we sin, whatever that sin is. And the reason we can do that is because Jesus has already destroyed it on the cross, and he has made us right with God. He has made us right with each other. And he has called us into the new way of living in his power, in him I could go on and on, and you probably feel like I am. I want to wrap it up there. I want to ask you this question. Do you want to be free from the power of sin? Then you need to be willing to admit that you're infected with a virus that you can't cure and that Jesus has actually taken care of that on the cross that you are sick and you need healing, that you are lost and you need to be found, that you are broken and you need to be fixed, that you are estranged and you need to be brought back together and restored and reconciled. And all the different metaphors, that you are guilty and you need to be declared innocent. Then turn to Jesus and receive what he has done for you. And when you turn towards Jesus, just remember that you're turning towards all the rest of us who are with him. And you can live the new life of Christ together. And even right now when we can't be together, it is possible for us to walk in Jesus together and together to have the power to say no to sin and to say yes to Jesus. And so what I encourage you to do today is maybe to the people in your home, whether it's your spouse or your kids, have a conversation with them about this. We've changed the discussion questions and we've created a thing called New Life at Home. And so for the next while anyway, we are going to encourage you to have a passage of scripture that you study. You can click on the link uh, down below in the description for the sermon notes and look at the New Life at Home section encourage you to study 2 Corinthians 5, verses 18 to 21. There's a daily prayer to pray. This week it is, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. It's a very old prayer. It's a very powerful prayer. We've given just a couple questions that you can use as a basis to have a conversation at home with the people in your house, and then give it a try, something that you can try out. So we're going to play around with that a little bit. Um, If you would be willing to let us know if you've been using it, we would appreciate hearing from you. You don't have to, but again, when this camera goes off, we're wondering how we've been doing, and that is an easy way for you to have some feedback for us. It's just send us a note and let us know. I pray that, um, that your understanding of sin has grown today and that you will see how much Jesus has done in saving you from sin and that actually you'll see how that is part of the good news. Pray for you this week. 
We'll see you um, again next Sunday as we look at the next part that Jesus has come to set up God's kingdom. God bless. Enjoy your long weekend.